corporate to mom to entrepreneur, how can you do it all without losing your mind on a regular basis? That's what my guest and I are going to be talking about today. Welcome back to Marketing Strategy Academy podcast, where we help female entrepreneurs go from marketing overwhelm to an easy streamlined strategy and system that includes Pinterest and repurposing content to grow their businesses when they have very little time. I'm your host, Jen Vasquez. Let's jump right into it. Welcome back to our audience. And if you're new here, I'm Jen Vasquez. I use my proven Pinterest marketing method and help hyper busy female service providers create one marketing workflow to book more clients and increase their income and impact in about an hour a week. And I, of course, love to host guest experts here on marketing in general and mindset. So if that sounds like your jam, I really encourage you to subscribe to the podcast or the YouTube channel. Today, oh, I'm very excited to be chatting with Jennifer Stolly of Mimsy Magic. She's a client. She's a community and um, business bestie, and she is literally a friend. I just really enjoy her time. Um, I think we enjoy sort of helping bounce ideas off of each other. And it's been a long time that I've been wanting her to get on this podcast. So I'm excited to see you here today. Mimsy Magic provides magical sensory toy kits that empower busy moms to ignite play. And they empower busy working moms with resources to meaningfully connect with their children's through sensory toy kits that reduce stress, save precious time, and ignite more play, which we want our kids to do. Welcome, Jen. I'm so excited to have you here today. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so excited to join you, Jen. I just, ah, you've been such a light in my life, and I'm so glad that we connected. <laughs> and I can't wait to be on this podcast. Thank you. I cannot wait for everyone to hear of all the things that we're going to be talking about today. And if you're a mom or even a grandma or an aunt, I definitely recommend you definitely listen. And if you're not any of those, you're still going to get something really powerful out of this. So definitely stay tuned. Um, I always love to start the podcast with like what jobs came before um, your business and share about your business, how you guys started the whole nine yards. Thanks, Jen. I <laughs> I feel like I've always been a bit of a jack of all trades. I've had lots of different experiences. I graduated in the 08 recession, so there was not a lot of options. And thankfully, I had a lot of skills to flex. I learned how to be flexible really early in my career. Um, my parents are high school teachers, and so I jumped right into substitute teaching high school. And every day I didn't know what school I would be at, which kids would be in my classroom, what subject I was teaching. And I just got really good at rolling with it and learning to thrive with little notice or heads up. Um, and I, I loved teaching high school students. I found it really rewarding. I love the age where people are starting to figure out you know, who they're going to be in their life. And starting to really dream about that and needing to put a plan together. And I just, 
it, it was a lot of fun to see that. Um, I, I also would do any age group if they needed. So at one point I, I did sub for a kindergarten class and I swear that was one of my hardest days <laughs> because it was just a lot of hugs, a lot of handholding. Um, sarcasm does not work with that age group, <laughs> which is my go-to humor. Um, you can't say, yeah, punch him in the face. No, 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 hands to ourselves. We're gonna wash our hands one more time. So it was a lot of fun, but, uh, and, and it got me through the recession for a while. And then I decided I really needed to get going with my career. That's not a, a career. What, what was I going to do? I've always been a really driven person. So I needed a moment to just catch my breath and, and figure out what I was going to do and have some time to reflect. And so the substitute teaching year was really helpful for that. But then I decided I, I got to get going with things and people were hiring you know, they were laying off people who had a lot of experience. I was supposed to go into law, but even paralegals that were being laid off with lots of experience, right? So how were you even going to get a foot in the door? And I just decided I was in that catch-22 of, if you don't have experience, who's going to hire you? And, but then how do you get a job if you don't have any experience? And I finally took an internship. It was unpaid, but it was really interesting. And I decided if I'm going to do something. I mean, something really interesting because life is too short. That was my lesson for the recession. <laughs> so I, I drove down to LA from Sacramento um, all, over the weekend for an interview on a Friday afternoon. And they hired me on the spot and said, can you start Monday morning? So I drove back up to Sacramento and I packed up my car and I called my best friend from college and said, can I sleep on your couch? <laughs> And then I drove back down on Sunday and I started my internship and that's how I got into entertainment. Um, it was working for a, a film producer. He had a ton of experience with Disney. He worked on Titanic. Um, he could not have been more the opposite of my personality. So I learned a ton from him and got a lot of really great advice um, and insight into how to stay on top of everything. Cause that's what production is, right? Like every, he, he had this great saying, how you, treat the small stuff is how you'll treat the big stuff and that was a big light bulb moment for me because I am a big picture person and I'm an idea person and I like to see lots and lots of progress and I love to work on stuff I'm excited about and I'm not great at getting a project from 90% to 100 because it's all those little details you know but watching uh, watching Marty work I was like okay no this is this is filling in the gaps and the weaknesses and the way that we work on things. And it was really enlightening. That's amazing. That's awesome. Um, what were three defining moments that really made your career? I, so I, I went from that internship and worked for a reality film producer for a while as an executive assistant. I got a lot of desk experience which again is managing a lot of details, calendars, moving parts, time zones and everything. Um, but it's also working with people. And I have so much respect for people, executive assistants and people who are in that as a career. Like those are the people who know how to make things happen. <laughs> and having been in that position, I'm like, that's where the information is. You know, go yes, by those are the Yes. Mm -hmm. I was an executive assistant for 10 years. Uh, it was... I'm very suited toward it, yeah. but it is um, underappreciated oftentimes, but yeah. you're right. They have all the information. They have all the connects. They can exactly. make anything happen. So much respect. 
So that was a big break for me was getting that job. I, in retrospect, I'm like, I don't know how they hired me because I actually was two hours late to the interview because I was still so new to Los Angeles. And I did not have my iPhone yet. This was right before I got an iPhone for my birthday. So I printed out the map quest about how to get from Malibu to Miracle Mile. And it said it would take 40 minutes and it took two hours because there was an accident on the 10 and, you know, the whole thing added up. And I got there and I was just so earnest and, and apologized and explained the whole thing. And the guy was like, you've only been here three months. Oh, of course that would happen. You know, I'm not surprised. Somehow he gave me the time of day to interview and they really liked me and I got the position. And so that was really lucky. And I was really, I'm really grateful for that. I was going to say the second one. Um, I, so I did entertainment for a long time and thank goodness that healthcare got extended to age 26 because I was able to stay on my parents' health insurance which was a big deal to me because I love to ride horses. But eventually time ran out and I realized I needed a job that was going to be an actual career move. And the entertainment thing is, it's a really tough go. And I have so much respect for the people who do make it because it is a long slog. There's not a lot of money in it. It is really a passion industry. And I do have that passion, but I also had to be self-reliant. So at 26, I realized time's up. You've had a lot of fun doing what you wanted to do, but it's time to get really serious and build around about your career. And so that's when I got into digital marketing for 20th Century Fox. And I worked on their theatrical releases. And it was really exciting because things move so fast with theatrical. Um, you make a plan. And then six weeks before the movie comes out, you go, oh, my gosh, it's come on tracking. And now... We thought our audience was men, but all the men are thrilled about it, and they're absolutely going to be going. So we're going to sell more tickets. Let's get the girlfriends to go. So surprise, the Prometheus uh, target is women 18 to 24, because we want them to go with their boyfriends. And then, oh, surprise, uh, actually, that's doing so well. We're going to pull everything. We just don't even need to advertise anymore. <laughs> so <laughs> it was just a lot of, like, last-minute adjustments. and very nimble. And, yes. Yeah, you just have to be able to roll with it. Um, and so people say in the entertainment industry that if you do one year in entertainment, it's equal to three or four in any other industry because it's just so quick. Um, and so that was probably the second big career move. And then the third, um, several years later, my husband got a job with Tesla in the Bay Area. So we moved up to the Bay and I was wondering, what am I going to do with my career if I do entertainment? But I'm in San Francisco. There's more limited options but i've been with sony pictures for so long and i love sony it's a wonderful company so i switched over to playstation when we moved up to the bay and got some video game experience um so i have done all of the screen things i've done movies streaming with hulu i have worked on travel accounts um lots of video game experience between ubisoft and playstation and i just love when people are excited about something and I love a good story and it doesn't matter what format that's in. I'm super into podcasts too, unsurprising. <laughs> Whatever the format is, if it's interactive or a movie or a TV show that you're streaming, I think that there's something really great about bringing people together with the power of a good story. Magical for sure. So all of that to say, how did you start Mimsy Magic? I want to know <laughs> what's behind the name. I want to know what was your why for starting it? 
Yeah, absolutely. So the name, the name's easy. Um, Meansy is the nickname my daughter gave to my mom. And when I was first starting the company and trying to figure out what the name was, I just kept going back to that feeling you get when grandma visits when you have a little one and everyone's living their best life your child's living their best life mom's living her best life because she actually has some support somebody who can pitch in you you can see your child is enjoying thoroughly that visit from grandma and I just wanted to send that feeling out to all the parents in the world when you open this box your little one's living their best life you can have a moment to do your thing um, take care of your business, take a shower, whatever it is, sip your coffee quietly. And so I was trying to put that feeling into the box. That's where the name came from. Um, but it got started when I had switched jobs early in the pandemic. So I had a new corporate job that I was, I had very, very big shoes to fill. It was a brand new team, total greenfield, lots to do and build. And my daughter was only nine months old and we were in month two of the pandemic. I was supposed to be interviewing the day that we sheltered in place. I had a four hour on-site interview scheduled that day and she had pneumonia. I broke my arm. All like all these things came together at the very beginning of 2020. So I said, we got all of our bad luck out of the way for quite a while in that little three month span. But somehow uh, I got through that interview process again and they, it was my third try. And so I was Figuring out that new job, we didn't have any childcare because it was in the middle of the pandemic. So if you if you sent oh, a little one yeah. to daycare at that point, you might as well just immediately get COVID, right? Um, but the daycares were closed too because nobody yes. had to do groceries. Especially in the Bay canceled. Area, mm-hmm. for any of our listeners across the country, the Bay Area was the first to shut down and the last to open. So we were very much sheltered in place for a very long time. A very long <laughs> Going time. Going crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And my husband's parents are biologists by training. So they really, he's a scientist too. So they really understood the risk. And he is very conservative when it comes to risk, especially with our baby, because she had just had pneumonia when she was six months old. And it was one of those core memories as a parent, right? When your little one is oh, that yes. sick. Oh, yes. Heart. Ugh. So we rolled right into a pandemic and he was like, absolutely not. We're not getting this. So we both had our jobs. We had our little one at home. We didn't have any childcare. Grocery delivery would get canceled. There was all this. I remember Colin was wiping down every single grocery with this. Oh, every package Mm because we were very much ordering Amazon at that time. Yeah. We wiped everything down with gloves and like, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so I got into sensory play because my daughter was uh, was a bit speech delayed. And in retrospect, it's like, of course, what child wouldn't be at that point? We had such little interaction with anybody else. Colin, Claire, and I, we all knew exactly what we needed. We didn't need to use full sentences. You just look and grunt. And it's like, oh, here you go. Here's a grilled cheese, you know? <laughs> so th- we weren't pushing her too much to use her language. And there wasn't a lot that would make her try to learn these words. And she was always really head on her physical skills. So I think that's just where her brain was focused. But I got really worried about it. It took nine months before we could have her evaluated for the speech delay because it's so backed up here in the Bay Area. So in the meantime, I was like, okay, if this is where we're heading to a speech delay uh, diagnosis, like I'm going to get on this research, right now. Research, what do we research. do? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and the, a lot of the things you do, um, 
has to do with sensory play and just engaging your child's brain in lots of different ways um, throw a lot of different experiences and sensory inputs at them and that helps deepen the neurological connections that are formed when children learn through play but that's the that's the research answer the amazing thing was it was the only thing that was more interesting than me at the time that would hold her attention and get her to play independently so when I would finish my new job that I was ex mentally exhausted from at four or five o'clock and, and we would switch, call, go out to the garage to work and then I would take over childcare duties, but I would also have to cook dinner, preferably with a vegetable. And I was just so overwhelmed. <laughs> An actual dinner, not just pizza. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Some, yeah. Something with a balance, you know? Yeah. So uh, I would put a sensory kit on the floor of the kitchen and she would play with that and I could cook dinner and I'm an introvert. So I really needed a moment of downtime to just have quiet to myself to gather my thoughts. And I got into this because I would scroll Pinterest late at night when I was up nursing her in the middle of the night. And I would go, what am I going to do with her tomorrow at four o'clock? Because when I walk in the door, I can't pull my phone out and start researching. What do I do with a 18 month old at this point? <laughs> so I would look while she was nursing at night and I would say okay what do you do with a toddler at you know xyz stage and on Pinterest what would come up time and again was all of these great custom sensory play setups that these really creative moms were doing and I gave it a shot on my own once and I dyed all of the rice so that I had all the colors of the rainbow and it took the entire weekend and I just went I could never do this again. My whole kitchen was locked up. She played with it for 10 minutes and then immediately it was all mixed together. And it was this beautiful Pinterest setup. <laughs> it was just like, I'm super creative and I would totally be into this, but it took me six hours to prepare this thing. She played with it for 10. I don't, it's a point That's, for me to have not more a good time balance. with my child. <laughs> exactly. It's not a good balance of time. So I found that you could buy these pre-made online and I, and I got really into it. It was like 40 bucks, done deal, you know, <laughs> and I would just keep them in the garage and have a little stash there. So when I would come in at the end of the day, I, if I was really worn out and I, I needed some help, I would grab one of the boxes and bring it in with me. And I felt like a great mom because she was so excited and so into it and I could engage or not as much as I needed to. And I could still cook around her and, oh yeah, I see what you're doing. It looks great. And pop in exactly. for a second, but it was totally optional, which was really nice. It was such a lifesaver. And good for her right? We yeah. don't, as moms, we don't find a lot of win-wins. No, <laughs> or it doesn't no. feel like it anyway. <laughs> exactly. We're trying to optimize for everything. So that's, that's kind of why I started the company is I eventually, I couldn't buy any more of the online kits that existed because they were all made with plastic items. It, oh. There was just so much plastic and I'm not like an eco warrior by any means, but I just, I had a subscription and after so many months, I was like, these are really stacked up and there's a thousand pieces to it, which is what makes it so fun because they can make a little environment with yeah. it. But a thousand little pieces, it was overwhelming for me. And I'm, I'm not a minimalist by any means, but I'm always trying to reduce how much stuff I have in my house. I think yeah. everybody's feeling that toy overwhelm in toddlerhood. And so I, I had in the back of my mind, like, how do I do this, but not get all this cheap plastic stuff from the internet you know and then one day I was I was that don't the garden. last you, exactly they don't last right no. so that's the problem <laughs> exactly I think some of us think it lasts longer but it, it breaks just as much as anything I was in the playground last week and little sh uh, pieces of plastic toys were just in the 
in the chips and I was like, what? No, this isn't good either. Um, but I was gardening with Claire one day and, I, you know, here I am trying to be this great mom, teach her about where food comes from and the earth and how plants work and everything. And we've got the dirt under our fingernails and we're digging the garden and this plastic clown pops out. And it was from one of her sensory kits. And I was like, oh my God, we didn't even like this sensory kit. Like it was circus themed. We don't go, she doesn't know what a circus is. Like, <laughs> why do we have clowns? You know, we haven't gone anywhere in a year and a half or whatever for the pandemic. So that popped out of the dirt. And I thought one day an archaeologist is going to be digging up our home site and they're going to go, oh, a family with young kids lives here because look at all of the toys that are still here in the dirt. It could be 600 years from now. Our bones are done and dusted and these toys will still be here or the bits of them, uh, right? Yeah. And I just, I was like, I can't do it anymore. I canceled my subscription and I've been chewing on the idea of starting this business and providing an alternative. I think that there's plenty of market share. People are really excited about sensory kits. Um, and it, it's nice to have an alternative. And so I was watching some of the feedback and, and doing some consumer research and the things that came back were that people just couldn't handle the plastic anymore. And also that the companies that were out there were not super focused on inclusion and representation in their toys. Yes. I, as a grandmother, I totally agree with that. And I, I heard this one piece of feedback about, um, you know, we've got the Little Mermaid right now, and we have a, reef, a fresh view on what the Little Mermaid looks like and what Ariel looks like. And it means so much to these children. And to see when, themselves represented. Yes, exactly. absolutely. Absolutely. This African-American grandmother said, I really want to get this mermaid kit for my granddaughter, but all four mermaids are like paper white they're not even like as white as me <laughs> they're paper white and she said I just can't give that to my granddaughter like it's just not it's it's not going to sit well with her it's not going to feel right she wants a little mermaid who looks like the little mermaid right now she wants a little mermaid who looks like herself and her family and I'm I'm not even asking for all of the mermaids to be um, no just inclusion just yes. some, something you know so she asked about a diversity line and and the companies that are out there right now, they're just, they're doing so much business. They don't need to make a move like that. And mm -hmm. it just broke my heart because it's really important to me. It's been very close to my heart my whole life. My mom worked for the California Department of Education on diversity and inclusion for years and years, directing contracts with the Department of Ed. And so I was just like, okay, that's it. It has to be done for this little girl, whoever she is out there. We got to do this. And so all of our kits are made with sustainable, natural materials, which is totally in line with the Montessori principles. They will not outlast our children. <laughs> That's part of the design. That's kind of the point. Um, when the when the wooden pieces fall apart, you don't have to have that guilt. They will biodegrade and on we go with our lives. And we don't need to leave a trace for this 10 minutes of play, right? And it's so much better for kids, you know, that like to chew on things to be exactly. chewing on wood instead of plastics yes. oh yeah yeah well and the idea is that you're trying to get lots of sensory inputs but if everything in the kit is made from plastic your tactile sensory is getting one input cold slick plastic and that's it but 
with the mermaid kit, for instance, we've got actual seashells in there. You have every texture under the sun with these seashells included. And sand. Exactly. Like I know. I know. Yeah. The, yeah. So I think it's a better sensory kit that way too. Mm -hmm. I agree. So let's change tactics or yeah. let's change areas real quick. What are some marketing tactics that you got in your career that you yeah. have taken from corporate and you've applied to your business? So my experience has largely been in planning and strategy for media, paid media ads. And I studied up on this a lot when I moved into more of a strategy role. There's a couple of thought leaders out of the UK, um, Byron Sharp in particular. He's written a book called The Long and Short of It. And he's really focused on and how brands grow. Those are two books that are just amazingly influential. And so The Long and Short of It is really about balancing your short-term returns from your ads versus that long-term investment where you build your brand with the goal of becoming Disney or Coca-Cola, right? Where people just see the red of the Coca-Cola and they know what you're talking about. And a lot of times we can get focused on what's the return on our ad spend. I spent $10, what did I get today? How many sales came from that? And so that's really the short-term focus. And if you do that too much, you eventually will pay more and more and more for those because you're not investing in the major brand connections that really reach people at an emotional level and take up more space in their mind when they're out and about in the world, right? There are, there's these trigger moments where somebody's not thinking about your brand and then suddenly you have this opportunity where they are triggered to think about your brand or where you can step in and solve that problem for them. So Coca-Cola, a cold Coca-Cola and a hot sunny beach, those two absolutely go together, right? Like how many people can't go to the beach without stopping or taking an ice chest full of cold Coca-Cola because it's just so innocuous that those two go together. They don't even realize, you don't even have to spend an ad. It's yeah, just the habit that's built, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's one of the things that um, we've really focused on in, in our corporate role is, are we getting the right balance of short-term and long-term investment? And I think when you're a business owner and you're tight on cash all the time and you really want to see results, it's really easy to overly focus on what you're getting for each of your returns on ad spend. But I would encourage you to think about what is the long-term investment and how do I make that connection like a cold Coca-Cola in a beach for my clientele. And talk a little bit about the difference between a solopreneur yeah. and a business owner with a team as an example. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I I was really I'm really into personal finance. And when the new year clicked over, I was like, okay, I'm gonna read a new book because I, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad when I was in high school and I thought it was so great and I learned a lot from it. I don't think it's perfect, but it was just a really different way of thinking about the world, right? So I said, I'm gonna read something new this year. And so he, Robert Kiyosaki has a new book that's called The Cash Flow Quadrant. And I was like, oh, how interesting. There's gonna be four different ways to think about cash flow. Uh, that's not a, that's not what it was at all. I was totally wrong. <laughs> but it got you to read the book. <laughs> it did. It did. But I, I he had a different point about there's different ways to make uh there's different ways to make money. There's four different quadrants. There's the employees who like to go to work, have a W-2, their paycheck comes every other week. They know that they what they need to do, someone tells them what to do. There's a lot of safety in that, right? 
Then you have your solopreneurs who are running their own business. Um, and I, he said a lot of people get confused between a solopreneur and a business owner. And those are two different quadrants, really. And the key difference is that a solopreneur, when they go on vacation and take time off, the business does not move forward because they're essential to that business. And that's oftentimes a hairdresser or a doctor or a lawyer. Yes. It, yeah. So you're the business. People want you, access to you, your time, your service. And without you, it doesn't move forward. And the interesting part was that he was saying people land in the, qu the quadrant that they're in a lot of times based on personality. Like if you really appreciate regularity and safety and security, you are really happy generally in the employee quadrant. Yeah, you can leave and you don't have to think about on the weekends. Right. There is no thinking about it, right? Right, right. Whereas the solopreneur people, he was saying personality-wise, are generally, they're very uh, independent people. They like to be in charge of the details. They would say things like, I have to do it myself because no one will do it as well as I do it. Whereas a business owner, the, the opposite of the solopreneur, when they leave, the business generally runs better when they get out of the way because they've hired people who are really good at what they're doing. And now you're out of the way as the business owner and they can actually be in their zone of genius and, and do amazing work because you're not mucking things up for them. So he was like, those are two different personality types. The business owner is much more... Um, trusting they're often better with systems they um, automation they're really good with yes, people yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and putting the right person in the right spot mm. they're people managers more than the whatever the specialty of the business is i would agree i would totally agree with that and i struggle between the two that I just, I just do. There's a little bit of a control freak in me. Um, yeah. I was recently sick for three weeks and I had to lean on my team and I have a team and I had to lean on them. And it was really eye-opening <laughs> okay. at how great they did. Yeah. I'm and sure. I'm thinking, oh, I could maybe focus more on the podcast and the, the live education and really let my team take on more right to support the business, having exactly. that business mindset. Oh, so good. So exactly. good. That was so a I read this book. for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I read this book and I went, oh, I am definitely not that solopreneur person. I am not into the details. I know that there are plenty of people out there who are better at stuff than I am. That's not me. That does not speak to me. My best friend, Diana, absolutely. I was like, oh my gosh, she is 100% in this in this box. This is her personality. And she's an acupuncturist. So she's like, yep, I, I can that. do this. I don't need other people doing this. I will run it myself. Uh, but to me, the business owner piece was the one that was really resonating. I think it ties back to a lot of what I found rewarding when I was a high school substitute teacher. I love helping people get the skills and knowledge that they need to really flourish in something. And as a business owner, you can bring in raw talent, teach them, get it set up, help them understand what we're doing, and then step back and move on to the next thing. So for me, there's always something new that I could be focusing on. And, and that's really exciting for me is to be able to get something set up, but then I don't want to sit there and just keep punching the clock, right? I want to move on to the next thing. And as a, a big ideas person, I'm like, I have a million ideas. I can move on to the next one on my list. And I love crossing these things off my list. So I know that other people are essential 
to my success and my happiness. And it's a win-win because they're getting a job, they have a purpose and it can totally align with their goals in their life too. Exactly. And especially working within the community and provide giving business to the people in our community also, I think is really rewarding. Exactly. Least, yeah. Yeah. I totally what, agree. Okay. So you do a lot. <laughs> um, I, you have a team, et cetera, et cetera. But mm -hmm. what is the secret sauce to, you know, the quote unquote doing it all, which I know looks different for everyone, like time management tips, maybe that you can share with mm -hmm. our audience, being a mom, corporate business, the whole nine years so funny because one of the companies that I worked for, they they had a culture of every little detail mattered, right? You weren't doing your job if you didn't respond to every single email. And that's that's the culture that I came up with. And I, I did just fine in that. That was great. I could just process my email inbox. I could cross off my to-do list. And I was on task. I was getting things done. Then I landed at a tech company where you need to go, go, go all the time. It's about what are you delivering? What is your impact? And it took me too long to realize it doesn't matter what's in your email inbox. That's not what you're doing today. Just because someone got your email and emailed you does not, that's not why we're paying you, right? We need you to deliver this project. How is that project going? And your email can so get in the way of that. And it was a total pivot for me in the way of working and it was really challenging for me to figure out how to survive in that new kind of culture but it was such an important skill to realize i only have so much time and i have to start with the thing that matters the most i can't just go down a list mindlessly and then i became a mom and when you're when you have a little one you live your life in hour or hour and a half chunks right and so the baby's sleeping for 30 minutes then the baby's up eating for 30 minutes then maybe you have 30 minutes of time where you could do something with that baby tummy time so anything right and then they're back down for their nap so you get really strict about i only have so many of these hour and a half windows which means i really have like 20 minute chunks would i like to sleep with that time eat with that time, shower with that time, laundry, like what thing is slotting into that 20 minute window? And you just get really ruthless about what actually matters and what doesn't matter. What is an emergency and what is not an emergency. And so and what I, is someone else's emergency versus exactly, your emergency? <laughs> exactly. So I got really strict about like, okay, if I'm feeling overwhelmed, I need to take a moment actually and step back and think, I don't need to do the hundred things on my list. I need to figure out what do I actually need to do today? What shouldn't be on this list? Because there's just not enough energy or time or resources for it. Just cut it. That's just not going to happen. Let's get real about that right now. <laughs> And then finding the things that someone else can do. And one of the best pieces of advice I got from my career counselor this year was when you have an emergency with regard to parenting, right? Like the nanny's sick, the backup nanny's not available, grandma's out of town. Okay, well, I had a major important meeting today. So now what am I doing? <laughs> and she said, well, you have three options. Anytime something like this happens, you could do it. You, it meaning you handle the child today or your co-parent can do it, meaning Colin can cancel his meetings and watch the child today, or someone else. So if you don't have a nanny or another nanny, call your neighbor, call your best friend who's got a kid the same age. She owes you one, you owe her one. 
but you have lots of options. It doesn't always have to be you. And especially coming out of the pandemic, I was just so in that panic mode. And I, I think it's a little bit of that like PTSD feeling of like, oh my God, I, I, I'm gonna have to work and cook and keep the stay on top of the house and the dogs need to eat dinner and you know, they haven't gone for a walk in three days or whatever. And it's gonna have to be me. I, I don't know how I'm gonna do it. I'm just gonna go crazy. And I feel like I've gotten I've had a chance to reclaim the power in those situations now where I I take a moment and think, hmm, just because that was my gut reaction doesn't mean that needs to be my actual reaction. Interesting that that was that feeling. Let's take a moment and think about that. Now, if it's not going to be you today, who could it be instead? <laughs> and it's helped so much. Yeah. And I think that especially the outsourcing piece. Like yes. Uh, my husband and I had very specific conversations about like, we're going to use Instacart for grocery shopping, even though I love going up and down the aisles and like touching things and getting, you know, picking it out. It was not, it's it's not going to happen. I'm fortunate. My mother-in-law lives with us. She handles the cleaning and the, a lot of the cooking, which is so amazing. Um, Outsourcing, I think is letting go. Right. Right. And it's that business owner muscle you have to flex, right? Like trust your people. Uh, your mother-in-law can pick out the groceries or she could do the cleaning and she's going to do it as well or better. Or even if she doesn't do it as well as you, it's done. It's you done. don't have to worry about it. Take it's off, off your, your mental plate. list exactly. as well as your physical list. Exactly. I, I think that's amazing. All right. Well, what three things have helped you to grow your business and, and get to where you are today? That could be tools, advice, really anything. Okay. So I would say the most important thing has been my community. And that there's a couple of different communities. It started with, uh, <laughs> with my husband. We've been working in the garage next to each other for how many years now? And I finally said, I really want to do this, but I just don't even have the first clue about where to source products or how to get them here or put them together or any of that. But I'm great with the marketing. Yes. And he looked at me and he said, are you kidding? My parents run an online e-commerce store. They've been doing this. They started it in the late 90s. I know exactly how to do all of that. And I'm like, where is the, where has this info been? <laughs> and you Hello? probably stood on it for a few days or weeks right. before you even brought it up. Right, right. And then he went, well, you go like this. And he showed me how to do the Google search. And I went, oh my gosh, look at that. And I... I've just really enjoyed working with lots of women with this business. I have a female account manager for our shipping, drop shipping company. I have a female assistant. I have a woman for this and a woman for that. And anywhere, the importing, I had to figure out how importing works last week. All of a sudden, I'm an importing expert and I never thought I would need to know any of this info. And now I know the HSN codes for the checks. It's crazy, Jen. And then finally I said, okay, Chrissy, I need an, I need someone to help me answer these importing questions. I don't even know how to fill out this form for customs. And I, you mess this up, it costs you four months, right? Customs oh. will just sit on it. And she said, okay, I have the best importing contact for you. Her name's Tammy. And I was like, absolutely, let's get hired. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then on top of that, I, I went to women's college. So connecting with the female entrepreneurs in that alumni network has been unbelievable. 
I joined a mastermind, which is where I found you. It's been the best contact. Oh, absolutely. I love yeah, it. Exactly. Yes. I needed that. I just really needed that female energy. And I think the identity crisis of becoming a new mom, you know, really puts you through a loop. It's, it's a whole thing. And then the pandemic on top of that, I've spent a lot of time with my husband and he's wonderful, but I was like, I just really need some women <laughs> right now. You know, it's just not the same. And so a lot of that energy has just been so helpful. And having those people to answer questions, you don't feel so stupid when you're like, ah, yeah, I don't know what the HSN code is that I need. Like, it's just different. It's different energy. And I really appreciated it. So that's one is community. Yes. Okay. So what else? I, the second thing I would say is advice. I don't like not being good at stuff. It's very uncomfortable for me. And I think it's part of the reason it took me so long to jump into entrepreneurship is because I wanted to feel hundred percent ready. And I wanted to feel like I had it totally baked and that's just not the reality. It's just not, I've made mistakes. I've made errors. I've had to ask stupid questions and just get really comfortable about it. And the sooner I embraced just the messiness of it, mm -hmm. the messy action, right? Mm -hmm, the faster things started to come together and the better they came together. And so I've had to really work on forgiveness for myself for mistakes that were made, errors, you know, money that won't come back, those kinds of things. Like, I was reading, uh, somebody has an oopsie line in their budget and they just put a hundred bucks a month into it. And they're like, eventually I'm going to need that oopsie line because it's just so smart. I was like, oh, this, this speaks to me because it's a, like a preparation kind of thing. And it's a check the, check the box kind of it thing. It makes that, you be more brave in decision-making yes, when you exactly. have to back up. Oh yes. yes exactly. Yes. Yeah. So, so embracing the mistakes and the messy action has been really important. And I would say the third thing. Hmm. Leaning on uh, other people to help get things done. There was a point in my business where I finally, I knew that there was stuff that needed to happen and it needed to move forward. And it was very important and very urgent. And then next thing you know, three weeks had gone by and nothing had come of it. And I finally just had to ask for help and get an assistant and get some people just spend the money because that money will come back. It's going to cost me so much more to not move these things forward and sit around waiting for myself. And once you calculate what your per hour rate should be, and you get real about like how much does a Jen Vasquez hour cost, you start to realize the $30 an hour for somebody to go get the groceries or whatever is mm -hmm. a heck of a steal because you can be focused on something else. So starting to think about my time as money really helped in terms of mindset shift and just starting to move things forward. And finally I realized, Oh no, I've slid back into that solopreneur position, right? Where oh, I could take mm -hmm. the pictures. I yes. could get the product together. I could ship this to someone. No, I never shipped it. It's still sitting on the counter. I finally gave it to the nanny this morning. I was like, here you go. Get this to FedEx. Here's the number and the info. Get it out of here. Cause I've sat on it for far too long. It's just ridiculous. And these things, it's none of it's hard. None of it takes that long, but it really starts to add up. Yeah. And I think too, you could probably add to that trades because you end up really learning about other business owners when you trade for things that are valuable for both of you, right? Absolutely. I'm not saying to trade to be a nice person right. or you, you want to make sure it's 
equitable on both sides. But I think some of that, as long as the person is good, trades can be wonderful. <laughs> exactly. And, and I think it goes back to a focus on value because it's something I learned in the mastermind was just what are you bringing to the table? What are you offering someone? And not being so shy about just we're doing business. You're trying to do business. I'm trying to do business. Let's just get down to it. What do you need in your business that I could help with? And maybe it has nothing to do with my actual business, but I have lots of skills outside of that. And maybe one of those would help check a box and just treating your time like money and getting into, hey, why are we having this conversation? Oh, you do photos? I need photos. Here, what can we do in exchange? And yeah. just not being shy about it and, and being really upfront. Asking and is never going to hurt anyone. Exactly. But, right? but really focusing yeah. on the value. not And that's where I think yeah. it helps me get away from sure. feeling like I was being so salesy and instead like actually connecting with someone and hearing from them what they need just asking the question straight up. And I think it's a great practice business to business. It's a fantastic practice business to customer. He, they're telling you what they want to see. They want to see more diversity in the toy. They want to see more sustainable practices. Okay, we can do that. And we can fill that need for them. The value focus was a game changer. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. All right, before we get to yeah. the gift that Jennifer is sharing with our audience, tell us about your sensory products. Um, we talked about how they help people and moms in particular, um, but how will they go about purchasing some of your sensory kits? Tell them how to find you, all those things. Yeah, absolutely. So we sell them direct to consumer on the internet. It's a website www.meansymagic.com that's m-e-e-m-z-y magic.com and you can order any kit that looks interesting to you we've got a great dinosaur and a mermaid kit those are two of our best sellers there's a birthday one so if anyone's got a birthday coming up it's really great opportunity for the little ones especially to be able to play through what a birthday looks like it's a big emotional moment for them and my daughter spent a lot of time playing with her birthday kit just reenacting there's lots of people here there's singing there's it's a lot of social pressure for a little person but we've also got a subscription where you save 10 percent, and a kit comes in the mail every month so you can just automate your parenting right like i automate the most important things in my life my credit card bills my mortgage yes. all that. because if i have to do it it's not going to get that back to the solopreneur mindset right so I, this is something I did when she was started when she was really little, I got a subscription. Every time that box came in the mail, I was like, oh my gosh, great. I'm going to be a fantastic mom today. I'm going to check that box, right? <laughs> Just like when the bark box comes, like I'm the best, the world's best dog owner. Look at the happiness on my dog's face. <laughs> it's the same idea, right? So you automate the most important things. And so that's why we offer a subscription. You get a very special box, the 12th month of your subscription. We're going to offer a holiday subscription shortly. So so we'll have a Fine. an October, November, December holiday themed kit coming through if you want to do a mini subscription. Um, and I just, I really hope that it's helping the moms out there and that the littles are having so much fun with it. And that it's inclusive and it delves into all the senses. Like exactly. talk us for very briefly about the things that are in the box because it's hard to yeah. hear. Like describe the box. Yeah. So Century Play generally has some base products like uh, Play-Doh or Kinetic Sand or something like that that you would work off of to build your environment. Then there's the loose parts, some stones, some sticks, 
seashells, whatever goes with the theme, right? Christmas trees. Exactly. Christmas trees. So then you have your characters. And when you're not using plastic or resin or any of the code words for plastic, um, that was the really challenging part for me, putting this sustainable solution together. So we use wooden peg dolls as our little characters, our little wooden uh, animals that are cut out. And so those go in the kits with it. And then everything comes in a bamboo storage box that has a beautiful art wrap around it. So when you've got them stacked up on the shelf, you can see exactly what you're grabbing off the shelf. You don't have to dig through it, right? You can see, oh, this is mermaids, this is Christmas, this is winter play. Um, so we tried to make it really simple and really easy to contain for parents. So all you have to do is put the box down, take the lid off and get out of the way. <laughs> Because yes, little ones are going to go to town. During the photo shoot, I'm yeah. mom from the 90s and the aughts, <laughs> and I wanted to just direct the kids on how to play, and Jennifer's like, no, we just allow them to discover. I'm like, oh, okay. And they came up with the best ideas, right? Like that little I boy put the egg, the dino egg shocked. inside the Play-Doh, and then he had it shocked. crack open, and then the egg emerged. And I was like, I never would have thought of doing that with it. What a clever idea. And it's just really fun to watch their imaginations take over. And it's totally okay. open-ended. It's totally independent. I did have a friend who asked, but where's the instructions on how to make a volcano with the, the, the in the dino kit? And I was like, no, no, you don't need to do that. Like, if you want to do that, go get a Lego set, right? Lego will tell you how to put the Legos together to make the giraffe. But every time I've done that with my daughter, it ends up being they me doing the work and she's the just time. sitting there staring. Yes. And I'm like, so here's the parts, go to town and she gets to go wherever her imagination wants to go. And it's wonderful. I love it. Tell everyone what your freebie is. Oh, so I have included a download for five sensory activities that you could do right now with items already in your pantry. So if you want to give this a shot and see if it's for your kids, you can go grab a bag of beans and get something set up. Um, and if you are really into it, come get some sensory kits that are pre-made and save yourself the time and hassle. My daughter loves that download so awesome. <laughs> for my grandbabies. So yeah, it's very exciting. I'm um, so glad. I really appreciate your time today and your valuable advice and your information and all the book recommendations. Um, what's the best way to connect with you if anyone wants to take this conversation further? Ooh, we're on Instagram at Meansy Magic and we're on Facebook under Meansy Magic and you can reach us either place. We'd love to and hear from you. Pinterest coming soon. <laughs> yes, Pinterest very soon. Exactly. Thank you, Jess. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. If you found some ideas and some tips that you can implement in your business, we'd love for you to do a review for the podcast or subscribe to the YouTube channel. Now go out there, something good for your business. And don't forget, if you're a mom or a grandma or an aunt or just a best friend of children, definitely download that and send it. Like I sent it to my daughter and she was like so happy that it was stuff that she had in her pantry. So thank you so much. Bye. Thanks for joining me. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love for you to subscribe to the show to be automatically notified for each episode. Visit the notes for the links mentioned in this episode and to connect with me. And as always, please take one tip from this episode and implement it in your business. Bye.